This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Remain standing. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 4 through 14. I'm going to be reading now the New Living Translation. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Senna. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Jeba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are, we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us to defeat him or defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Give God a shout of praise. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm in the middle of a series. It's so good to be back. My heart... I've been here every week, but my heart just gets more full uh, to share with you what God put on my heart. And also, Josh, man, it's so good to have you. He's in our military. Thank you for serving, man. Thank you for serving our country in the military. It's good to have you. I just saw him a minute ago, so honored to have you in, in today. Um, this has just been on my heart. If you know my story, and I'll, I'll kind of catch us all up So since it's been a while since I've shared I grew up in church. Uh, I was told things to believe, and I, I believed them without question. Because when your parents take you to church, this is what we believe, you just believe it. Then you grow up, and there comes a moment where their faith has to transcribe into yours. Sometimes kids kind of go off in left field trying to figure life out, but my belief is you plant the seeds, man, they'll come home. And my parents did a good job to do that. Is I grew up into a man, became married, and we had children. All those things my parents taught me, I, I would have to work out now myself. And I would often scratch my head and go, how do they have so much faith? I just don't feel like I got that kind of faith. The way they see that scripture, I, it doesn't seem to work. I, I don't get it. And so that led to a series started about a month and a half ago called Truths of a Skeptic. We actually started, if you remember, months ago with Prayers of a Skeptic, Faith of a Skeptic, and now Truths of a Skeptic. In a few weeks to come, marriage of a skeptic. We're going to tackle that subject. But uh, in that, I, I really came to, to scriptures that I would always question and go, if it says this, then why? So let's jump back in. I want to just take you on a, I guess, a journey of our, mine and Robin's, last six months. Uh, we definitely did not have the 2020 bucket list that she would get diagnosed with cancer and our granddaughter would get diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. That was 
I'm glad 2020 is gone. But even though 2020 is gone, you know, you still got battles to fight. And you have to determine, will you fight or will you give up? And I just was raised by a family, you just don't ever give up. You, if you're going to go out, go out swinging. And uh, that's kind of my personality. I just, I don't have a good quit button. I, I just, man, I just suck it up and keep going. But, but it makes me try to wrestle with these things because when I read it in Scripture and yet um, my life is not lining up with it, I wrestle myself to try to figure out why is my life not lining up with what God said. Because my belief is it's not God that's the problem. <laughs> He's okay. He's perfected holiness. It's me that has to figure out his mind and his will and the scriptures. And So let's jump back in. It was a funny passage. I heard a bunch of people giggling because it really is rather a, an interesting story that two guys asked God to give them a wisdom to kill some people. How many of you like that God, right? <laughs> Lord, I got about five people right now I'd like to knock off. So if they call me at noon, that's your sign, Lord. <laughs> Sometimes I just like the Old Testament God better than the New Testament God. New Testament God, so kind-hearted. We love you. We don't care. Old Testament God, I'll just kill you. I don't. So <laughs> here's what was read this morning. Uh, verse four, uh, verse 11. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews are coming. They're crawling out of their holes. And the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan. Now, just so you know who Jonathan is, Jonathan is, is King Saul's son. So he would be next in line to the throne, although if we know the story, King David takes the throne and becomes close friends with Jonathan. So that's Saul's son, the king's son. Come on up here, and we'll teach you a lesson. Here's my question for you that I want to dwell on today. Have you ever felt life screaming to you, I'll teach you a lesson? <laughs> Anybody old enough to have had a lesson or two in life? Anybody old enough that you look over your life and go, oh, I've learned a lesson or two? You thought you were all that and all of a sudden life showed up and you realized you weren't all that at all? Uh, marriage taught you a lesson, school taught you a lesson, the cops taught you a lesson, a teacher taught you a lesson, your husband taught you a lesson. And if you're still arrogantly prideful, have a child. They'll teach you a lesson. <laughs> Me and Robin thought we were going to be perfected parents till we had a kid. And we're like, dude, we're dumb. Like, wow. You know, you ever seen people that don't have children? They will literally tell you how to raise a kid. They'll be like, I'm never going to give my kid a sucker if they're crying in Target. That's just not what I do. And I, that's how I was. I was like, oh, I would never. My kid's disobeying in Kmart. It was Kmart back then. My kid's disobeying in Kmart. I'm not giving them candy and a sucker. They're just going to obey me. Well, that's because I never had children. And then you have a kid that's cutting up in Kmart. You're like, I'm going to kill you when we get home. But here's a sucker. Kit Kat. You want to just be quiet. People think we're crazy. Here's Kit Kats, you know. So. So life does have a way to make you really think about what you believe. And so I think with God, it's the same way. We believe things about God, and then life throws us a curveball, and we're like, oh, do I really believe that? Like, they tell me God's a healer. Life throws you a curveball. You've been diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, man, we're going to be great parents. Life throws you a curveball. Your child is, uh, has a personality that's very hard to deal with. You get a diagnosis that's hard to deal with. 
You, you come to the altar and like, we're going to have a great marriage. We both love Jesus. We're both spirit-filled. Seven years later, a curveball is thrown and your marriage is on the rocks. And you're like, man, what happened when life throws you a curve and tries to teach you a lesson? And here's my take on it. I mean, you know, trying to work through it myself. My take on it is a lot of people's theology is based more on life than God. Because life speaks volumes. And so what happens when life starts teaching us a lesson, our theology of God shifts to fit life rather than life shifting to fit God. Example, honey, I got back my biopsy and they say I have breast cancer. Well, if I let life teach me a lesson, God must not be a healer. How could God let this happen to me? How could God let this happen to my family? We serve him. We, we try to put him first in our lives. And not that we're perfect, but we do love God and we're pressing into God and we're, we're running after God. And, and then, you know, if you're not careful, and this is kind of, kind of how I'm working it out, if you're not careful, life becomes your God. And life defines you. And life manipulates you. And life determines your emotional status and being. But as a Christian, I, I got to be smart enough, and I hope we all are, that no matter how spiritual we are, life comes at all of us. You know, from the, from the person that knows John 3.16 to the person that can parse out the Hebrew of the Old Testament. Life comes at all of us. And I would love to say that, uh, you know, it, it, it's thoughtful. But life doesn't care. Life doesn't care if you're black, white, rich or poor, skinny or tall, Hispanic, Asian. Life doesn't care. Life's gonna, life doesn't care if you're Pentecostal. Life's not like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. Oh, he's a word of faith. Never mind. Oh, he's going to speak in tongues and stomp his feet. Never mind. Life doesn't care. Life's just going to, life's going to, what was your verse you had? Uh, gut punch you. Right? When life gut punches you, uh, it's, you know, and what I'm finding out with a lot of Christians that life is gut punching us and life is becoming our ruler because it gut punched me and I wasn't ready for that punch in the throat. And so I'm redefining God to fit life and I'm trying to figure him out. So what I'd like to do today is kind of give you what I've tried to work out when life gut punches you. And you, you don't get the news you wanted. And you, uh, you know, and it's like life is, has a lot of pull on me right now. So here's a scripture that, that kind of makes me skeptical. So that's the whole thing. So I, I, was, I was told this when I was a kid by my parents. And of course, again, as a kid, I believed it. As an adult, I sort of like, yeah, I don't know. Everyone who believes. Come on, somebody. It's time to shout. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> so, so there's one thing I know. When life gut punches you, there's hope for all of us. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody in the club. Right? <laughs> everybody that Jesus, everybody who believes that Jesus is, a Christ, is the Christ has become a child of God. Ryan said that when he was up here. He said, you know, as, as children of God... We have certain rights, and then he called Hadassah up here, and we took our rights. We prayed, right? So there, is, there are divine things that children of God have. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too, and we know that we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God 
means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Here we go. This was what I was taught as a kid that I had to wrestle with as an adult. For every child of God, Mark, is what my parents would say, defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Any and who anybody who can win this battle against the world, who is it? Only those that believe Jesus is the Son of God. This was drilled into me. Mark, you can overcome the world by your faith. My mother was King James. My mother would be like, you're welcome, Josh. My mother, my mother would say, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You know, and I'm like, okay, great, but, but I'm still flunking class. So I'm glad you can quote a scripture because that was my family. My family had a scripture for everything. Falling apart, I got a fall apart scripture. Stump your toe, I got a stump your toe scripture. I mean, it's really true. Yes, Robin, it really was true. I'm kind of that way. I'm like, girls, don't whine at me. Don't you know what the Bible says? Girls, quit pouting. Don't you know what God says about you? Like, I, And I see my, I'm like, God, I'm turning into my mama. Ah. But I like my mama, so that's kind of okay, sort of. You know, she's loud and boisterous, so I get it. Um, but the problem with this is it says every child of God has the potential. I'm gonna, this is Mark Evans' version. Every child of God has the potential to overcome when life gut punches you. That's my translation. All of us in this room have the potential to overcome, win a victory when life gut punches you. Problem is, if you've ever been gut-punched, it's not fun. You get taken off your feet, you lose your breath, you have panic attacks, you, you curse yourself with your mouth. I was coming home from uh, junior high school in the 8th grade, getting ready to go into the ninth grade, which was high school. I'm walking home. I was a trombone player. Come on, ladies. Right, trombone player. Which is cool, right? So I was skinny. I was about 113 pounds soaking wet, trombone player, books in this hand, trombone in this hand, walking home because I walked to school my whole life. And I was about three houses away from my house, and a group of high school kids jumped out of the car. What's your name? I said, uh, Mark. And before I could even take a breath, he just waylaid me. Don't even know who he was literally waylaid me with a sucker punch right in the corner of the eye. I fell down to the ground, instantaneous, my eyes swollen shut. They jump in the car, they say some cuss words, they drive off. So I, I feel like I know what that moment is when you're totally taken off your feet. And everything you've ever thought is not even a thought because it happened so quickly that you weren't ready for it such as the phone call, they said that my biopsy came back as a cancer. And it sucker punches you. I could hear it in her voice. I could feel it in my heart. I, uh, the, the phone call from Choa, from Olivia and Michael, uh, the doctor said that the genetic test came back and Johnny Love has cystic fibrosis. I remember that phone call. It, it literally felt like a sucker punch to the gut. Like, I don't want that. But this says... I can overcome. So here's my thought for today. I'm going to try to help you through it like I've worked it out. Every child of God should be winning 
any battle the world throws at them. But I'm definitely not winning. <laughs> that, that's kind of how I felt. Like I, I know the Bible says I, I'm a victor. I know that. But it doesn't make the sucker punch any better. It doesn't make me even feel any better. I want it to all go away. I don't ever want to even be sucker punched. And the sad thing about it is when life sucker punches is we get very skeptical about everything. Oh, I'll never get punched again. Why'd you quit playing trombone? Because I got punched. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't want that. And if we're not careful, the moment you feel like you're not winning, you'll start sacrificing things. You'll lay your dreams down because it's too hard. You'll lay your marriage down because it's taking too much work. You'll, you'll give up on things you've always wanted to do because to take that step and move forward is too hard. And so you begin to ask yourself the question, well, if I'm a child of God and every child of God should be winning the battle if I have faith, but I feel like I'm not winning, my logical connection is, well, if every child of God should win the battle by faith, and I'm not winning, then the problem must be what? I don't got the faith. I just don't have the faith for it. Like, man, the sucker punch hurt so bad, I don't have any faith. And then you beat yourself up. Like, I just don't even know, man. I thought I knew God. I thought I knew the Bible. I thought I knew Scripture. Oh, there's nothing. I don't know if you've ever been there in your faith. I just don't feel like my faith works. I'm praying my guts out, nothing. I'm asking God for something, nothing. I... I'm asking him to fix my family issue, nothing. It's only getting worse. And I thought God would and God didn't. And now, therefore, look at the hell. So if you, if you connect faith to victory, which was the scripture of 1 John 5, my faith is the victory. And you wonder if you have enough faith, let moi encourage you. <laughs> Next scripture. And this just hurts. You don't have enough faith, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed. And I'm like, oh gosh, that stings. Like even Jesus said, it is faith, but it's not a lot. Because mustard seed faith in our lingo is a hangnail. It's a, a mustard seed's about, the, anybody ever had a hangnail? It's about the size of a hangnail. That's a mustard seed. So Jesus' translation is, yeah, you're right, you don't have faith, because if you had faith the size of a hangnail, you could overcome. And now I feel worse, like, dude, I don't even have hangnail faith. <laughs> Boom, sucker punch. <laughs> I don't even have hangnail faith, right? You think you're a great man of faith until you get a phone call. And then suddenly you get a phone call, you're kind of like this before the phone call. Like, you know, I got Captain America fake phone call. I can't even find the hangnail. I'm like, oh, God, where's the hangnail? That's what he's talking about. So it tells me that maybe we Christians have done such a poor job of trying to tell people that you have to know every Bible verse, you have to know all the Greek and Hebrew, you have to have your life perfected, you have to have your prayers right, a consecration prayer, a dedication prayer, a sanctification prayer. And when I read this, it's mind-blowing because it seemingly, it just doesn't take that much faith. And so now it makes me go, oh, then, then what, what does this look like as Mark walks it out? What does it look like as Robin walks it out? How do we walk out this marriage problem? How do we walk out this child problem? It doesn't take that much faith. 
So from this passage of Scripture, and, uh, and I'll say this, it, it's not a sermon I'm trying to preach to you today. I've preached a lot of sermons. I'm trying to take what I've been wrestling with and just getting it out there to you because it's helped me so much. And, and, it's, and it's given me a better understanding and a better strength of God uh, that, that even though I got sucker punched and I'm looking for my hangnail faith, like, come on, man, i got to lead Robin and these girls. Come on, hangnail, where are you? Come on, I'm just going to create a hangnail. Like, come on, i got to have, uh, you know. And so I want to teach you this scripture. Because I was riding down I-20, I could, I could hear the angst in Michael's voice, who is Olivia's husband, my son-in-law. I could hear it in his voice. I could hear the angst, maybe, maybe a little bit of uh, fear, maybe a little bit of frustration at God. I didn't really talk to my daughter that much because she's really a mama's girl, but I, I could listen at their conversations and I could hear in Olivia's voice the pain of getting a, a diagnosis she didn't want. I could hear in her voice the, the disappointment, not in her daughter, but the disappointment that life threw her a curve that she wasn't expecting. And I could listen to her mother encourage her over and over and over and over and over, but in less than 12 hours later, the sucker gut punch would come back and life would come back and more this is and more that's and more of the, and with mama trying to encourage a daughter, with me trying to encourage a son, with us trying to work our own stuff with, with the cancer diagnosis as well. So you can imagine our house over the last six months. Oh, my bride here. Oh, God, my own faith, my church, all the people in the church. I love. Oh, my daughter. Oh, God, my granddaughter. Oh, my son-in-law. Oh, Jesus. But you can imagine the, next, the last six months of our life and, and put on top of that all you all because I care about you. I care when you have a headache or when you're having a marriage problem and you post and I see the post. I'm like, oh, man. They're hurting too. God, I pray for you too. More, I need another hangnail because there's a lot of people. Come on, hangnail, right? I, don't, I just need about 10 hangnails, God, because I got all these problems. And so that's the last six months of my life. That's why I've been so thankful to you that you've been given us grace to walk through this with you and helped us through it. And so as I'm driving down I-20, I said, God, man, please, you got to help Mark. And when I'm desperate with God, I tell him my name. Like, just like he forgot. Like, I don't know. Like, I was like, Lord, you got to say help me. I'm like, Lord, you got to help Charles Mark Evans, who was born on April 23rd, 1965, just in case you forgot, Lord. And would you open up the book of life and see if you could find me? Because I really need to know if I'm in there, right? <laughs> like, oh, Jesus, help a brother. And um, in and, and a scripture rose up in me. And it was this. And I thought, why would I feel led to read a scripture about a dude killing people on top of a mountain? Like, that's the dumbest scripture ever. I'm dealing with a wife with a diagnosis and a kid that's got a diagnosis, and you send me to this and so I'm immediately thinking, I just, man, I, I just, that can't be what God wants. But I kept reading it and reading it. And I want to share with you now what God brought me to. And I pray it helps you. Come up here. There it is. I'm about to teach you a lesson. I'm going to sucker punch you. I want to take your feet out. 
I'm going to destroy your life. I'm going to take your joy from you. I'm going to rob your marriage. I'm going to fire you from your job. You're going to lose your house. Everything you've ever dreamed of is going down the toilet. And then Jonathan responds, come on. Climb right behind me. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, step one, write it down. It's going to help you. I promise it'll help you. It helped me. Step one, you got to climb, don't whine. One thing I've learned about faith, shut your pie hole. We all have problems. Every one of us in the room could outdo the other with our problem. Let me tell you my problem. Let me tell you mine. Everybody in God's creation has trouble. The world brings us trouble. Be of good courage. I've overcome the world. But in the world, you will have tribulation. So let's just all grow up. All of us have to deal with life. And one thing Mark has learned, whining does nothing for the cause. You can Google and then whine. Look at all the stuff that's going to happen to me. You can whine. And let me tell you, when you're done whining, life's still throwing punches. Life's like, oh, he's whining now. Bip. Oh, yeah, he's whining more. Bip, bip. And I mean, it just literally. And, and I'll, I'll help you. I don't know if you're like me. Once the whine button starts, it is a downhill ride. You will whine yourself into a grave. You will whine yourself into divorce. You will whine yourself into depression. You will whine yourself into poor pitiful me. So the first thing I learned writing down I-20, I, I start reading this passage of Scripture, and I, 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 I see I'm a visual guy. So I close my eyes. I try to paint the picture visually. I see visually, I see these 20 people on a hilltop shouting and cussing and dropping F-bombs and come on up here. We'll wear you out, man. We'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan's like, dude, let's go. We're going to kill them. And I realized I didn't have that kind of faith. I realized my hangnail faith was more toward the whining. Where are you, God? The Bible says you would be here. You're not here. Why do these things happen to me? That's, that's whining faith. And Robin will tell you, I'm perfected at that. <laughs> She's worked a lot of whining out of me, but I was a professional whiner. I've had to learn. I've had to... Get over myself. I've had to grow up. I've had to quit realizing that life's going to throw a curve and i got to learn how to handle the curve. So climb and quit whining. I'll just ask you this. Are you a whiner? Do you know more about your problem than you do about God? Have you spent more time on Google trying to find a lawyer rather than going to God to figure out how we're going to fix this thing? Are you just willing to try because a lot of people just give up. Like, well, I've already gone to the altar and got prayer. It didn't work. I've already given an offering. That didn't work. I've already been to counseling. Yeah, that didn't work. Went three times. Eh, not going to work. Didn't like her. Climb. So whatever it is you're in today, you have to make a decision. I've got to get busy getting over this thing. And you may have been holding on to it for 20 years, but it's going to end today, and I'm going to start climbing. And the watch now, the moment you start climbing, life's going to scream louder. You're stupid. You're an idiot. Why are you doing that? God will never help you. God will never answer that prayer. You've prayed it before. Don't you know it doesn't work? Because they're throwing as you climb. Life's sucker punching you more and more. Just climb. Second thing, here's a verse. Come on up here. We'll teach you a lesson. Here's the, here's the response. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said, and I love it. What's the blue words? Read it out, everybody. 
for the Lord will help us defeat them. Here's the second step. You have to believe God will help you if you'll start climbing. A lot of people want God to climb for them. They want to stay on the bottom of the hill. This is too scary. I don't want to get hit by a rock. So God, I need you to climb that hill in Jesus' name and kill them. And then I'll give the testimony that my God killed them and I'll forever praise you because you killed them. God didn't kill them. And I meet so many people who want God to do it for them. Pastor, would you pray for me? Dude, what do you want me to pray for? My marriage is falling apart. Got it. Let's do it. Now, wait, wait, wait. Before I pray, do you realize that God's not going to just blow over you and fix this? So before we ask God to come into the equation, are you willing to go to counseling every week? Are you willing to read some books on how to be a better husband instead of a jerk? I just don't like reading. We don't have money to go to counseling. I can't find any time to take off work. So you're telling me that your marriage is not that important, but you want God to act like it's important. Like that's how we do it. Pastor, I just want you to pray I'm having financial problems. So really what you're saying is you want God to rain down money on you without you doing anything. I'll do that, but the likelihood he is going to let you win the lotto is slim. The likelihood that he's going to get you out of debt is slim. However, when I pray for you, if you'll start climbing, let's do believe that God will help, but are you willing to like uh, give up your credit cards for a while? Are you willing to admit that you overspend because you have emotional problems and that's how you compensate for it? So if you'll just start climbing, God will help you. And I said that because I want you to understand he doesn't do it for you. He helps you as you climb. Otherwise... Why even worry? We can just all sit down here and go, God, I was good. My husband's gone to work and I was going to pray while he's at work. You capture him. Give him a vision and a dream, Lord. Oh, and I'm going to call all my faith-filled friends to come in. We're going to fast and pray for our husbands who aren't present into God. And I'm like, you really think that God's just going to jump in the equation? What if it's you that has the problems? What if you're a nagging, whining woman? That's why he doesn't want to come home. Would you get up and go get help? Would you get up and let people help you? Would you stop being a jerk and so prideful as a man and realize your marriage is more important than you just running yourself ragged for a job? But then you want me or some other Christian to pray to fix it by magic where it takes zero effort. There is nothing on planet Earth that's of value that takes zero effort. But we want God to do it for us so I don't have to put any effort into the problem because life is so busy elsewhere. I'm trying to handle life that's good, but I want God to just magically fix the bad. I do want you to know he will help you, but you have to start climbing. 
He will help you if you come to the altar for prayer. But once the prayer is over, you need to saddle that pony up and put some uh, rope on your back and go, we got a hill to climb here. And God's going to help us. The third thing. Come on up here, yellow words. We'll teach you a lesson. Come on, let's start climbing. If I'll start climbing, God will help us defeat them. Everybody read the pink words. This is where I realized I do not have hangnail faith. <laughs> and that was the phrase in pink that jumped out and just stabbed me in the heart. And I knew God was talking to me. Because I was crying and quoting scripture and praying. And I was wanting God to fix everything because I was praying so hard. And the Lord spoke to me, Mark, are you willing to climb with all your might? using both hands and feet and give it all you got. And if you'll do that, Mark, I'll help you. And I realized in that moment, I called Michael. I gave, I gave the scripture to Michael. I said, Michael, dude, whatever you got to do as a daddy for your daughter, do it. I don't care what you got to do. I, I came home to Rob and I said, whatever we got to do to defeat this thing called cancer in your body, we will do it. We're going to climb with all of our might. We're not going to whine. We're going to use hands and feet. We're going to give everything we got to fix this thing. And you say, well, that sounds arrogant. No, because what I learned in that moment is if I will give 110% of my effort, God will help me. And there will be a place where my effort will go, God, I'm at 99%. I need it. All of a sudden, wow. The power of God comes in and God does his divine part on my earthly part. And suddenly I find myself on the top of a hill swinging a sword. Twenty men coming at me. Ha! 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 Hey! Ha! My name is Antonio Montego. I've come to, you killed my father, prepare to die. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. I am a Noah Montego. You killed my father, prepare to die. I mean, that's the kind of faith I want to have. I want to climb the top of the mountain, but when I get up there, I don't want to get up there, I ain't never going back to church again. Pastor hurt my feelings. Nobody would talk to me. Honey, when you get up at the top of the mountain, swing a sword. Use your faith. Believe in God. He's going to help us. So you got to go, go plug yourself up for four hours. Go plug yourself up to that God-forsaken machine that dumps chemo into your body. But before I walk out, Almighty Heavenly Father, as we do our part, God, come into this room and do your part and give my bride divine help. She walks out of that thing and rings the bell in her own testimony is that she didn't even have side effects. And... I would love to say it was our great fate, but she and I both cried a lot. She and I both wondered a lot. But I'll tell you one thing we did do. We gave it all we had. We gave every, everything we had. Her oncologist is like, I don't think you need to go to the gathering of your church, Mrs. Evans. Robin, she called her Robin. Robin, I don't think you need to go. She said, it's COVID, it's not safe. And I love what my sweet bride said. She said, well, I'm going to go anyway. 
And then, the, then she said, well, then I just highly recommend you either stay out in the lobby or somewhere. She said, okay, I can do that, but I'm going. And off chemo, neck swollen, face swollen, my bride walks in, sits at the very back corner with her hands raised, worshiping God. I'm sure she probably didn't feel like being here. I'm sure she's not thinking, look how beautiful I look today. One breast gone, ball-headed. But I don't care. I'm getting my hind end out of bed. I will put on a bra that works. I will put on a toboggan. And I'm going to go to the house of God and give it all I got. She even looked in the mirror one day. We were in the bathroom getting ready. She looked in the mirror. She said, you ever thought you'd look, I'd look like this? I said, no. Do you ever think I'd look like this? She said, no. I said, good. We're a good team. <laughs> and I love what she said. She had such passionate faith. She's looking in the mirror at all the scars and all the tubes coming out of her. This is her exact words. Her exact words. Oh, she needs to write a book on it because I was like, oh, that's brilliant. She was sitting there looking at herself, just scars, tubes, scars, tubes. And she's looking at herself. She said, every 14, 15-year-old boy needs to see this. <laughs> That'll keep them from wanting to sleep with a girl. Oh, I love it. I'm like, dude, you need to write that in a book, what every 14-year-old boy needs to see. Because that's commitment. That, that's faith together. That's walking through life when you're sucker punched. That's we're not going to whine together. We're gonna, if we have to make a joke out of it, we will, but we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep going. She would get herself up and dust herself off and keep walking. I'm going to give it all I got. I'll never forget the day we came home from our first chemo. We got home, and of course, I'm being the husband. You okay? Everything good? Everything good? She goes, I don't know. Let's go for a walk. I go, what the bloom you want to what? She goes, yeah, let's get our shoes on. Let's go for a walk. And day one of chemo, me and my bride go for a two-mile walk. I guess she could have been a whiner. I guess she had the right to whine. I would have probably whined with her. But thank God somebody told us that if you really want faith, sometimes, sometimes in life, you got to use both hands and feet. you got to climb with both hands and feet. And you got to quit making blooming excuses. you got to quit looking for pity parties. you got to quit saying, why me? you got to suck it up and walk through the pain. You got to get out of bed. You got to pay some money. When our marriage fell apart, my fault, by the way, in 2010, what you see right here with this old boy, you may clap and go, yay, God did a good work. But maybe what you missed out on is in the worst time of our life, we're climbing with both hands and feet. We're riding three hours to go to a counselor. You ever been in a car ride with somebody mad at you for three hours? <laughs> three hours, would not we ride? She's just ticked off. It's like, oh, God, I got three hours. I know what I'll do. I'll play bluegrass. That'll teach her. And then we get up there. But after three hours, I think we did about four or five weeks, we found a professional in Savannah, and every week we would drive an hour together in the car. We would write a check to that counselor. We would pay that counselor money. We would get back in the car and drive back home. And our own testimony to this day, we're standing here this day because we didn't whine. We decided if it costs us money, we'll pay. If it costs us a trip, we'll drive. Whatever it takes, we will do. If we have to plug up the chemo, if we have to fight, if we have to wear a toboggan, if I have to wear a special bra, I am not 
not giving up in my faith. I'm going to climb with everything that I have. And I learned that day that this, Mark Evans' definition, is mustard seed faith. Because it's climbing with your whole heart while believing God will help you. Most people think faith is believing God will help you. And they don't want to do anything. Mustard seed faith is, dude, I'm going to give it all I got. And I'm going to believe God's going to help me. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe he will. Here's a scripture. Who killed them? Come on, who did it? It wasn't God, was it? Yes. But it was they. But the they that was swinging the sword had a God that was on the same hill swinging swords through them. It didn't say, and God killed some 20 men and all. It was Jonathan swinging, but he knew God was in him going to get the glory. Now on the surface, it looks like, woo, Mark and Robin are winning. Okay, great. You, you want to say that? Wonderful. But she and I both know the win that you see is because we had a great God that was helping us. It definitely wasn't some magic potion we had. <laughs> it was that we just gave it all we could give, and then when we were at the end of us, we believed that the divine order of God would step in and help us. They killed them, but God was helping. How far are you willing to go today to make this thing called faith work? How far are you willing to go to get your marriage to where it needs to be? How much money would you invest into your marriage to make it work? How long would you go to counseling if you had to? How many more doctors would you seek out to try to let earthly doctors help you while God's helping you as well? Or do we just want God to do it all because it seems like his ego is more bent on him doing it than me? Because if I do it, it's pride. And God's like, no, it's not pride. Give it all you got, Mark, but believe as you're giving it all you got, I will help you. And that's faith. Here's a scripture. If you love me, Jesus said, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you what? Another advocate. That word translates weird ways in our English. That word translates a comforter, a peace giver, and a helper. Even God said of himself, of the Holy Spirit, I'm not sending the Spirit to do it for you. I'm sending him to be alongside you to help you. He's going to be a helper. Just like God said about the wife, I'm going to send you a help meet, someone that will stand beside you. That's what God says of himself. Mark, I didn't come to give you my spirit to do it all for you. I came to give you my spirit that as you do what I've called you to do, you can guarantee, no, I'll help you. What is the problem with this formula? We're in a world that sucker punches us. And it says of that sucker punch world, they don't receive help. They're not looking for divine help. They don't know there's divine help. And when you're not looking for divine help, you don't believe in divine help, and you don't know divine help is there, you'll basically either give up or wear yourself out. It's the only options we have as humans. We wear ourselves out trying, or we just give up, or we just go, well, it is what it is. 
I'm just learning to live with it. Versus looking at life and going, you know what? It did sucker punch me. I could have whined, but I didn't. But I tell you what, I'm about to give it all I got. Because I'm not quitting here. And I'm going to believe if I give it all I got, though the world is sucker punching me, there is something I can receive from heaven. There's something I'm looking for. And there's something that I know. And it's God's going to help me. He's going to help me. I'm a living testimony today that Mark Evans at 55, there have been times that I've waited God to do it, do it, do it for me because I don't want to do it. And there's been times I said, God, tell me what to do and I'll climb with both hands and feet. And every time I went to my Heavenly Father and said, God, if, if you will tell me what to do, I will climb with both hands and feet and I believe you'll help me. Every time I did that, it worked. God always, Robin, did God not always come through? Always. Here's the conclusion. You're winning a victory over the battles that life throws at you is heavily dependent on the amount of effort you will put forth. While believing in faith that God will help you with his divine part as you do your earthly part. That is my best definition of faith. Now, if your earthly part is going to a doctor to find help, if your earthly part is counseling, if your earthly part is put down the fork and start walking more, doing more, going to a gym, if your earthly part is get out of bed and go to work on time. I mean, what you see right here, I guess, feels good. But this old boy started out cleaning toilets, vacuuming and straightening chairs when I was 15. Nothing anointed about it at all, but that was the job God gave me. But I just worked at it with all my heart. Cleaning toilets, mopping floors in the house of God. Would have never thought some 40 years later this is what I would be doing. But I was willing to put effort into it. You say, well, I, I feel like God's called me to sing. I want to be a worship leader on stage. Great. So why don't you go take guitar lessons? Why don't you go take vocal lessons? Because you sing kind of half flat off pitch. So rather than, rather than us putting you up here hoping that you're anointed, why don't you go take some lessons if you're that passionate about it? No, I'm not that passionate. I just want people to see me sing publicly so I can feel better about myself. I'm like, yeah, that's why most praise teams aren't good. You, you, <laughs> I don't mean that. That came out really rude. <laughs> it's because I was listening to somebody yesterday that was terrible. Like, God, somebody needs to tell them they're all flat. Like... Oh, God, that's horrible. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but really, I mean, think about it. We, we Christians want to be anointed, but we don't want to do anything earthly. We want to show up late, be lazy. We don't want to read a book. We don't want to take lessons. We don't want to practice. We don't want to work hard. I want God to give me a raise, but I don't want to do the job that they want me to do because that, I don't feel called to do that. Well, just work hard and believe that God will bless you if you do. You may not want to do what they want you to do, but just do it anyway and believe if I do my part, God will give me favor. They'll give me a raise. I'll move me something else. I'll, I might even run this place one day if you just believe. But if you're whining all through life, nobody wants to work with that. Well, that's what I learned. Stand up with me if you will. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. 
If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message. 